Welcome back to Triple M Podcast. I'm your host, the neurodiverse nurse, Crystal, with my co-host, Felicia. And we are here to talk to you about... Oh, well, you know what? I actually don't know what we're here to talk about. We... Because this was a secret surprise. It was a surprise surprise. <laughs> I thought it would be fun to just like pick a person based on our mayhem story if y'all haven't checked it out yet we talked about the capital riots yes and it is a dope episode it's we have really some good special guests markel uh eg photography was on and she talks a little bit about her i am right now project which is a great project she's doing for the black lives matter movement mm-hmm. and you can find her at uh, markel eg photography on facebook and instagram and we also had your auntie, a.k.a. my fiancé, Lexi, a.k.a. AKA Dark, Dark Temptation. Ooh, should I have said it like that? <laughs> DT. DT. Which is a nickname that I hate, but she loves, and so I embrace it. She only loves it when we're doing something like this. I'm I never know. here throwing out, I'm like, you want to be on a podcast? Hi, I'm Dark Temptation. Because <laughs> her real nickname is Coco. Um, but, yeah, it sounds like a porn name to me um and that's why i don't really love check her it. out on only fans <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um yeah but that was great and it was super fun and entertaining and we loved having the guests on the show so we hope you check it out and it, i think it was fun and then we started getting into it and they were just like yeah got a little serious got a little passionate there got a little passionate there but that was great it was was fun it was fun it was fun i hope to do some more episodes like that with guest features and so hopefully you can check it out and laugh along with us and today we're going to be talking about well today we're going to be talking about you ready for it i'm ready jim jones oh snap did you bring the kool-aid nah Mm. <laughs> the Kool-Aid. It just feels so like when I think about it, I think about the majority of this population, the idea that it was in Kool-Aid. I mean, we couldn't have picked a better beverage to die to. Is that right. what you're getting at? No. It just feels a little like stereotypical. He was the, he was the Kool-Aid guy, right? He was the Kool-Aid guy. Oh, okay. But his All congregation right. was mostly black. Yeah. Oh wow. <laughs> Are you kidding me? That's horrible. No, I'm not oh joking. My His God. Was I didn't know that. Yeah, he was really black. well, we'll talk about him more, but he's like really into desegregation because he was born in a time of segregation and all that jazz. And he was really big in the civil rights movement. Civil rights movement narcissist. All right. Right. Uh, interesting combination. But as I've mentioned before, and I will mention again, narcissists do do good things for the world, but they only do them in order to draw you in to do bad things. Right. So. Or, or, or or just so you can recognize. Like a yeah, lot of people just like so recognize it. Yeah. A lot of get that achievement. Um, like look at me. Look what glamor. I did. Look yes. What I, exactly. Look how great I am. I donated $300,000. You know Look at are. the plaque that I have. And we're not saying it's wrong. Donate your money. Yes. <laughs> Agree with that. Right. So, all right. Well, with that, are we ready to get into the show? We are ready to get into the show. Are you guys ready to dance with us? Yes. We're going to, there's going to be music to this one this time. Okay. Pinky promise. You're going to hear it. All right. Pinky, finger crossed. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's do it. Hi, guys. Welcome to our podcast Mental Miss and Mysteries. It's all right. It's okay. But you should listen anyway. 
there it was. Uh, if you love that song and you want to hear more of it, like and subscribe to the channel so you can hear it every week. You talked over the hi guys. Oh, damn. Hi guys. <laughs> All right, and that music will definitely be up there. I have a hard time doing this on video because I want to sing along. I know, right? It's like, like <laughs> but then we have to be quiet because we're recording the podcast right. at the same time. And yeah, I also had the same problem. So I was like, you can see it come through. It's like, ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 don't speak, <laughs> don't speak. So for those of you out there who are not familiar with Jim Jones, probably Jim Zers, Jim Jones, Jim Zers. I feel like they're unrelated clause. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Or just like people who were like into evangelicals or that whole movement movement. But if you were probably one of our listeners, you probably know who Jim Jones is. Yeah, you probably do. <laughs> but Jim Jones attracted a large following to his people's temple through sermons and tolerance. Oh, sermons on tolerance. I'm sorry, ma'am. Can you please um, give correct recognition to oh, the website within yes. which you are using? Yes. This and particularly from? this website, because I'm getting this from PBS.org. PBS, PBS, where kids can be kids. Where kids can or be kids. Wherever that, whatever they say. Where they say isn't that Toys R Us where kids can be kids? <laughs> yes, that is Toys What does PBS say? They're like they the public something. access. They're like, yeah, but they have like this kid thing, I feel like. They have PBS kids. I don't know, whatever. But they're like PBS, PBS. For, funded by you for you, something like that. Yeah, that's great. But y'all right. make sure you pay into PBS. So yes important it was important growing up having zoom on pbs was so important <laughs> and arthur and <laughs> public broadcasting service welcome Thank you. to the public broadcasting and service. i think yeah I uh, think does the article have a title um you're asking me to do a lot the title is <laughs> jonestown the life and death of the people simple but this article doesn't really talk about that and so its secondary title is jim jones oh okay that's what we're gonna call that's it that's what we're gonna talk about it's jim jones all right. He looks like Elvis. He does. He was a very, like, not gaudy, but you know, he didn't look like a man where he was from. Ah, okay. So, so let's hear where he was from. Okay. So Jones, okay. Little, a little snippet on Jones was he had a church, people died. All right. So <laughs> <laughs> I love these. I'm going to start calling these potatoisms, just like short. Um, I was like trying to make a YouTube video earlier for my neurodiverse nurse page and um, I was practicing intros to figure out which one I liked and I kind of hated them all and at one point I was like hey guys welcome to the show and Jennifer was like you can't don't be me I was like I'm here to do the things and talk about stuff and yeah, she was like that's not gonna that's, work you for you you can't take my intro <laughs> hey guys welcome yeah uh, all right so let's like get to it. <laughs> I'm just here so we're going to talk about his childhood. Oh, Jones this is, is my favorite part. This the really childhood. helps me with the psychological analyzation. Right. We have a lot. This is a, this gives like a nice background to who he was as a person before church died. And <laughs> Rest in peace. Jones's parents were James Thurman Jones, a veteran of the Great War and victim of mustard gas who lived on disability payments. And the much younger, Lynetta Jones, a feisty independent woman who would eventually follow her son to Guana. James came from Baptist and Quaker lineages, but Lynetta had doubts about a sky god. Lynetta's the mom. Lynetta's the mom. And doesn't believe in God. That's so interesting. Right. And the dad was a victim of mustard gas in the Great War. Um, that's the First World War. Oh, okay. So his wife was much younger to him, was oh. what they were saying. So it was... His old ass father living on his disability checks and this young 
young non-believer. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> hmm. Um, and laughed off the neighbors who were sure she was going to hell straighter than a bird could fly. Jones's father was emotionally absent and his mother was constantly working. So neither had much time or desire to discipline their son. He said, I didn't have any love given to me. I didn't know what the hell love was. He later told his congregation. Now, well, that sounds honest, right? Like <laughs> you have two parents who are just kind of like, yeah. Two people who were together, but probably shouldn't have had a kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some look at, yeah, some parents, Hitler's parents, um, his parents. I mean, it's pretty common. Trump's parents. A lot of times you'll have a scenario of, um, particularly with narcissists, not always, but a lot of times you'll have this scenario where one parent is the enabler and one parent is like really abusive or neglectful and so then the enabler spends all the time trying to make up for the abuse and neglect that's happening from the first parent and so there's no real stable parenting or structure or um authoritative parenting going on right Right. so they're not like either the abusers like overly abusing them and being overly you know mean and um coercively controlling them and then the enablers spending all their time just trying to give them everything that they want to try to make them happy and feel better for the abuse that they're suffering from. And so then no real understanding of consequences happens. Yeah. So if you are one of those two people, please do not get together and have children. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> happens figure a lot, though. Your, figure your stuff out and then breed healthier offspring. Yeah. Much of what was known about Jones's early life came from his own later recollections he described being a young hellion in his indiana hometown i was considered a trash in the neighborhood he identified with the underdog fighting off kids who bullied other children rescuing stray pets and taking home beggars he explored every church in town quakers Nazarene, methodist ap- apostolic mm-hmm. and the church of christ throwing himself into their particular rituals before becoming disillusioned and moving on to the next he sounds like a nice kid yeah he did he, he sounds like empathic. I think that's and what what you're gonna see later on about so Jonestown. I think he got caught up in the lifestyle. You think he was getting too much in- attention? Yeah, I mean there was de- there's definitely some um, analyzations that I have read, and um, I think that he probably could qualify for a narcissistic diagnosis, but usually I don't see this much empathy from these kind of kids. Right. Especially for so young where Such he was just age. really yeah. like, yeah, his father was religious. His mother obviously wasn't, but he right. was still going around trying to help people be a better person. And yeah, it's crazy. I'm so interested now. <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad you are. Cause I was reading this. I'm like, I didn't notice about him. Yeah. A church of his own. Jim graduated from high school with an interest. I'm sorry. I skipped a thing called Born to Preach, and it's it's a fun little tidbit. Okay. Jones had the skills to be a preacher. Phyllis Wilmer, who dated him in high school, remembered a pep rally before a basketball game. Jimmy decided to stage an elaborate funeral for the other school. He got up and started preaching and did an incredible job. He had the control and inflection. It was like the real thing, but was all intended to be a joke. He was very self-assured on stage. He had that cool black hair and piercing eyes that would look right through you. So he pretended to host a funeral for the death of the opposing school's cool. like sports team. Right? Yes, <laughs> like that's, that's hilarious. Pretty hilarious, right? Yeah, and I can see it too because you know there's some kids who could 
fake preach. Yeah. Like it's, oh my God, they, they were the best. Jim graduated from high school with an interest and aptitude, aptitude for medicine. While working as a hospital orderly, Jones met Marceline Baldwin, a nursing student, and they married in 1949 in Indianapolis. Oh no, these nurses. Yep. <laughs> we always fall prey to this. <laughs> he is so kind. God rest our souls. God rest. <laughs> I'm not Catholic. <laughs> None of us, but it's the, it's the only thing to convey. Like we're fucked. Right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Oh my gosh. Where is he? Where is he? Where All right. Is so he? they married in 1949. Right. right. He right. served as a student pastor in the Methodist Church in 1952, but chose to found his own church, People's Temple, in 1956. The temple joined the Disciples of Christ in 1960, and, joined, and Jones was ordained in 1964. Is this more like a... What's the word? Um Who are the people that use tambourines and talk in tongues a lot? Is, is this Those a, are the holiness. Is this a sect of that? The Disciples of Christ? I'm not sure. Oh, okay. I I never heard of that one. Oh, me neither. That's uh mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I know I know what um the Meth I know the Methodists. <laughs> it sounds like it could be apostolic too. So I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. You're welcome to spoon feed that to us right. if you'd like to later. I don't want to give a religion <laughs> class right now. Right. I just there's a lot of sects of Christianity and they cannot agree. It's yeah. so weird. <laughs> it's so weird. <laughs> Inspired by Father Divine. Religious leader George Baker, also known as Father Divine, founded the Universal Peace Mission Movement in the 1920s, and in the late 1950s, Joan made visits to see Father Divine, a charismatic black preacher with multicultural with a multicultural congregation. Divine, who had no, who had known Marcus Garvey, promoted economic empowerment for his Harlem flock through redistri- redistributive cooperative enterprises. Okay, so members worked for low or no wages pulled their resources and benefited from the common good. Divine held unusual spiritual beliefs, claiming that he was God and demonstrating supernatural powers. Ooh. So. Well, I mean, he had the powers to back it up. So. Who's <laughs> the question know. that? <laughs> when, and I see where he was trying to go, where he looked back at this and be like, okay, if this is making his congregation together, it's like a co-op. Where yeah, you work I mean, to live and be. It a, sounds great. And that's kind of how these things always start. Right? It sounds great. But then. But then they quickly divulge into. Which makes me sad because I have a side of myself that's an inner hippie. And I would love nothing more to have this great farm of people that are all together and just doing this. But then there's always someone that comes in to take advantage. And I think I talked about this during the Capitol riots, Right. Right. People that are more empathic don't desire positions of leadership generally because they don't want to be in control. They don't want power. They don't want to have to tell people what to do. And they understand, like, they understand people's feelings. So they're, they're going to have a hard time making those harder decisions. Yeah, and they want to be supportive. Like, so they want to support people in positions of power or they want to be a helpmate, right? Like, nurses want to be nurses, not doctors. Why? Right. Well, we don't want to make the doctor's decisions, but we want to support the doctor, you know? And But you also want to be more involved in the care, In the too. caregiving, right? And so people don't want those positions of leadership and unfortunately in any grouping of society somebody has to make decisions and it's usually usually the person who's willing to take the job and that's usually someone who desires power and that's where these things dissolve that being said um felicia or potato fee 2050 (laughs) (laughs) i fully support that we're going to start with local council, remember? Yeah, I yes, yes we are. Look for us at the city council of a city that we live in that we won't tell you. All right. <laughs> 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 
what city that is, none of your business. That's a great campaign strategy. <laughs> <laughs> we live in a city that's none of your business. Don't okay. worry about it. <laughs> worry about yourself. Worry about yourself. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I like how you threw the family model in there. I know. Moving on, moving on. <laughs> so, inter... In, oh, I'm sorry. Integrationist. A major source of Jones and happiness with various mainstream churches was segregation. During the 1950s and early 1960s, segregation was widespread across the country, and many religious congregations followed the practice of keeping the races separated. So do you think that meeting with that other preacher, who probably was a narcissist too, sadly to say, because that's kind of common. Father divine? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he thinks he's a god and all that, right? Um, do you think that meeting with him, and because he was a black man, that he kind of got radicalized about segregation through I think training under that, that guy? And then I think a part of it was his childhood, too. Like, they said he really rooted for the underdog. So he stood uh, up to bullies. Yes. He helped beggars and poor, right. like, people who are less fortunate. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it's a part of that and a part of him seeing himself as, like, some kind of, like... Savior. Yes. Yeah. And that's um, a lot of people will confuse it because there's lots of different flavors of narcissism. Um, They're not officially recognized in the DSM-5. So don't take this as official diagnostic criteria. Um, I'll make that disclaimer. But like we say, this show is for entertainment purposes. Yes, Entertainment purposes (laughs) only. Also, narcissism doesn't even exist as a diagnosis. But um, those people who are very interested in narcissism and psychologists and all of that who have really studied narcissism will tell you that there are different flavors so covert are people who are narcissistic but they're more quiet maybe more introverted they kind of work under the radar they get away with more things they confuse the fuck out of this woman yeah your typical um like ceo that has narcissism which is it's actually very prevalent in people that are ceos um they tend to be the people that can kind of fly under the radar, right? They control themselves better. They don't exert external behaviors. Um, the prisons are full of people who have um, extroverted narcissism. No, you cannot come in. I'm recording. <laughs> okay, that's going to be edited out. And... Um, <laughs> Anyway, so the people who are um, have the more extroverted form of narcissism are called overt, right? So things are either overt out there in the open or covert, you know, silent. And so people who are more overt are the people who don't control themselves very well. They get very violent, angry. They might be out, you know, causing murders or whatever else. Um, and so I don't remember what my point was with this. If you could bring that back in, but oh, we were um, talking about because you seem like you you seem like you said he right. seemed like he okay. a good so, intention. Yeah. So or some like, of these more covert narcissists tend to behave in ways that make them look like um, you know they use the term a lot now virtue signaling, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's people who are playing on the hearts of people by pretending to be super helpful and into things, but like you said. It's really just because they have this savior complex. Right, like and I'll, it's easier to manipulate people that are maybe lower income or less educated or people that are desperate for some hope. And I'm not saying everybody who helps is like that, but when you know from your like, oh, but I'm a helpful person. Does that mean I'm a narcissist? No, because you're not doing it to be like, oh, I'm so great. Look at me coming down yeah. and helping. It's all about the atten- intention behind it. And I, I try to 
educate people that and my coaching and just in general life when they're trying to analyze, oh, but he's so nice. He has such a nice smile or she's um, so helpful or whatever else. But you have to really look at the intention of why people are doing the actions. And everybody gets some reward from, you know, doing nice things for other people. We all get, you know, emotional boost from that and feel good about it. But if the goal is ultimately to have power and control in that process, then that's where the the Mm -hmm. line is really drawn. So you're good. Yes. Most of you. Most of you. <laughs> Some of you probably aren't watching this. <laughs> okay, okay. Where was I? Oh, Jones, having grown up an outsider, Jones emphasized, emphasized with the downtrodden, the poor, the non-whites in society. He preached integration and racial equality, and his own family reflected these beliefs. He and Marceline adopted a part Native American child named Agnes, three Korean children, Stephanie, Lou, and Suzanne, and in 1961, where the first white couple in, they were the first white couple in Indianapolis to adopt a black child, a boy named James Warren Jones Jr. The Joneses. Wow. Was, yeah. <laughs> they had a little. Uh, yeah. Uh, but that junior thing. OK. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. He gave the black one his. <laughs> I know. He has. Oh, let's top this off. The Joneses also had a biological son, Stephen got Stefan Gandhi and later adopted. What? <laughs> Okay, <laughs> let's unpack that. <laughs> let's let me get to their last Hold shot. On. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> they uh, okay, <laughs> and later adopted a white son named Tim from the People's Temple mother. They were, according to Jones, a rainbow family. Integration is more a personal thing with me now. It's a question of my son's future. Okay, now you can unpack. Oh my God, I can't. So. You have a biological child you didn't name Junior. No. You named Gandhi. And you have a black child. I mean, if integration is so important to you, why didn't you integrate some kind of name that culturally represents your black child? No. Instead like, of is, naming him after this is This is Junior. This, this is my is, son. I just can't wait to hear more of this. This is so fascinating. It's so much more than I ever knew about him. <laughs> Isn't it great? Wow. Isn't and it? this this kind of like makes you understand why a lot of black people get very upset about the fetishizing of, you know, black people. Yes. Yeah. Cause he's using it to his advantage. Right. To, ugh. Okay. Go his ahead. Black Sun's future. He was very important to him. Creating social change. And I'm not saying like if you want to do work for the community, do it. Just don't make people drink Kool-Aid and die after. <laughs> Because if that didn't happen, he would have been like, yeah, awesome. this is why it's so hard for people to navigate between like who is narcissistic and who isn't. And this is why that coercive control is so easily done, because I often make the same statement and I started kind of reflecting on myself. I'm like, oh, God, I hate that I sound like him. But I am very um, having a lot of black children in my life that are very important to me. Um, you know, I've helped raise black children. Yes. Um, my fiance's black. Um, my kids have always been surrounded by a lot of black people. Um, my best friend is black. She has four black daughters. Um, and so I will often say this, you know, why are you so passionate about this? Well, I, people that I love that are little kids are growing up in this world, you know? And so I would say something like that, you know, this is very important for my black son. Right. But then you actually mean it because you have, I'm not saying he probably had a sense of that too, but there was, there's like little things where 
His reasoning and your reasoning are different. Yeah, I'm excited to hear this. Let's go. Creating social change. People's Temple participated directly in social shifts of the emerging civil rights movement. As the head of the Indianapolis Human Rights Commission. Oh, yep. my God. Sorry. <laughs> when you said the, the civil rights movement, like I thought of the NAACP and that white Rachel girl. Rachel yes, yeah. I was like, he's Rachel. Oh, my God. He's Rachel. He's. Yeah. Go ahead. He Let's is the leader it. for. Okay. <laughs> Let's hear it. Jones desegregated movie theaters, restaurants, the telephone company, hospitals, and the city police department. The temple ran a free restaurant and home and homes for the elderly and mentally ill. Wow. Yeah. Like he desegregated. He, he took Indianapolis by he the balls. It was like, yeah. This is so interesting. I'm so on the fence now. I just don't know. Well, the next article I'm going to read because this article just ends. Oh, okay. The next one I'm going to read is about Jonestown itself. Okay. So. We can hear more about that. Yeah. Okay. Target of abuse. Jones, Jones's actions were ahead of his time, and residents who felt threatened by integration targeted Jones in the temple with intimidation and assault. Strangers spat on Marcy as she walked her multicultural family. Letters arrived announcing that people will pray for Jim Jr.'s death. Like, for him to die. The black one. Wow. <laughs> Christian, those Christians. Those Christians. <laughs> Escaping nuclear danger. In the midst of this antagonism, Jones began to consider larger issues of this cold world, of the Cold War. Okay. In, an, in an article in Esquire magazine listed the places on Earth where, the, where one might survive a nuclear war. Taking the list to heart, Jones moved to his family to Brazil for a while before returning to the United States and settling in Northern California. I'm interested to see this list of places you can survive nuclear. Yeah, that's actually a list we should look into right now. I know. We're prepping. We're prepping. <laughs> we're prepping. Everything's cool. I don't think, well, I mean, we're not really prepping. We're not. We like to joke about prepping. <laughs> we like to think about prepping, and if shit goes down, we're like, you know, we uh, we'll just prep. get the shotgun. Yeah. <laughs> the next time a child acquaintance, Max Knight, saw Jones in Indiana, he was many years later. Jones had his hair combed back and had on. Not necessarily a zoot suit, but certainly not a suit that was Indiana. Mm. He had big sunglasses sitting up on top of his head and a goon on each side of him. Jim, I said, I'm curious why the change, why the sunglasses, the bodyguards. He grinned and said, Max, when you reach the top, you've got to play the part. And that's how this article ends. Oh, wow. Okay. So let's hear more about him playing the part. In California, Jones had reached the top and was playing the part. Or was playing, had or, either reached the top or was, or was playing, playing the part. part. Okay. So we don't know where he was at, but he was trying. Which brings me to Jonestown, because I, I wanted to know. Okay, but I don't, I, I want to um, understand that more. Why do you have to play? Who says you have to play a part? Who says you have to pretend to, like. We, we already know he got some. I mean, I know that, but I'm just like, where could that logically make sense? I mean, he like, was living in California during the age of Hollywood. Like, old hollywood so. so he thinks he has to have goons around him he thinks he has to play this up that he's an important person to attract more people to his causes yes i guess i could see that but i don't understand the bodyguards like but. he well also i think he always yeah, i guess he like was he, targeted a lot though. yeah he always felt like he was in danger he was back in indiana he was known for yeah. the man of having like a whole right rainbow coalition and people were threatening to kill his son okay so i guess i get that but. right I don't know why you would use the excuse to play the part. That sounds very narcissistic to me. That particular sentence and like the way that it's worded. 
Because you, you ask this question, you're like, this sounds narcissistic. I know. Because it fucking was. <laughs> well, you or I would be like, well, you know, I don't feel safe. And right. so I've hired these guys um, and I just really like these clothes. So now I'm going to wear them, you know, or whatever. So this one, this article is from history.com. It was written by Leslie Kennedy and it is titled Inside Jonestown, How Jim, jo- How Jim Jones, that name will always mess me up, <laughs> Trap Followers and Forced Suicide. You just call him JJ for short. How JJ? How did I die? JJ the jet plane. <laughs> <laughs> We're so stupid. <laughs> You're right. This article was written on February, or this article was written on November 13th, 2018 okay. and updated February 20th, 2020. Oh, all right. No time. History.com was almost there. Almost there. (laughs) So this goes, in 1975, Reverend Jim Jones, the religious cult leader and civil rights activist, hinted at things to come. I love socialism, and I'm willing to die to bring it about. But if I did, I'd take thousands with me, he said during a sermon at his People's Temple Church in San Francisco. Just, (laughs) you want to, you want to, go ahead. Wow. That's all I want to (laughs) say. It's not funny. People died. It's not funny, but Jesus. But looking back at it and the like foreshadowing looking, that yeah. happens a lot with narcissists as well, actually. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> listen, if somebody tells you something, believe it. Believe it. Yeah. All right. He said during a sermon at his people's temple church in San Francisco, just two years later, on November 18th, 1978, those words became reality when more than 900 people, one third of them, one third of them children, died during what would be known as the Jonestown Massacre, one of the worst mass killings in American history. Jesus Christ. I didn't know it was that many children. That's a lot. In 1977, Jones, the self-proclaimed messiah of his evangelical, literally evangelicals, flock, led his followers to a remote jungle in Guyana to live in Jonestown. He sold a destination as a agricultural common rich with food where there were no mosquitoes or snakes and where temperatures hovered around a perfect 72 degrees every single day. Does that sound like Guyana to you? I mean, I don't know much about Guyana, but... Everywhere has mosquitoes. Yeah. Everywhere, tropical, hot, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Jones, they have a gallery, so we'll post some pictures up for you guys. Maybe you can, like, put some in a video so you can see them. Yeah. My, um biggest struggle when i was living in the forest was mosquitoes there, i fucking <laughs> hate mosquitoes they, like people are like were you not scared of bears somebody just asked me the other day and i was like no nah, bro it was the thirty-five thousand mosquitoes i had to walk i'm through. tired of people be like the bear first of all bears are pretty chill yeah, bears are scared of us okay? they, they will look at you like oh crap i gotta <laughs> yeah so jonestown's conditions were grim but it was all a lie, says Julia Shears, author of A Thousand Lives, The Untold Story of Hope, Deception, and Survival at Jonestown. So check out that book if you want to yeah. know more, because apparently she was there. <laughs> they can't actually grow food in the agricultural commune because the jungle soils, the jungle soils are too thin. The author, who scoured 50,000 pa- scoured? Yeah. 50, pages of letters, journals, and other documents found in Jonestown and released by the FBI. Nothing grows, and they're starving. He has his inner circle that goes out and begs for food or gets rotting food from the market and brings it back to Jonestown. It was a big facade. What was the point of it then? I think he wanted to prove a point that you don't need to live in a capitalistic society if we all... But why didn't he pick somewhere that could at least grow food? I don't understand. He probably picked the wrong place and didn't want to go backtrack on it and admit that he picked the wrong place. Like, think about it. 
And because wasn't Guyana one of the, the things on the list where they could live from nuclear fallout? I don't know. I'm, is sending me to Brazil because of that? I don't have a nuclear fallout list. Oh, okay. And I just think it's probably cheap. Yeah, I was going to say that too. Probably cheap. Um, and maybe multicultural. Multi- he wanted <laughs> to go back to his roots. His roots. <laughs> I'm in Rachel. I'm telling you. Oh my gosh. <laughs> It was also dreadfully hot, Shear says, and there are mosquitoes, there are snakes, there are all kinds of critters every day. They are getting up at the break of dawn and going out to, f- to the field to work. During the dry season, they do bucket brigades to water the plants so they don't die. It's backbreaking work and there's no free time. And that's on purpose. Jones knows people aren't happy. There's not enough food. They'll separate. They are separated from their families. It's hot. It's nothing like he promised. So it's almost like these cult leaders get all these people together, right? Because then they're the king, yeah, they, right? Like you're basically the president or king of your own society. So you rule everyone and everyone must love you and be around you. And so even if people are starving, you don't want to admit it. You don't want to give them time to think about it because then they'll leave you and then right. you won't have your power anymore and all these people surrounding you. So when people are preoccupied, during and i've noticed that like a bunch like even the way we live in our society right now you have to work yes and if you're preoccupied with just doing your work paying your bills you're not going to look at the bigger picture of things you're not going to be like why is society like this why are we doing this yeah that's that uh, maslow's hierarchy i always love to reference right. right if you're too busy trying to find food shelter water and safety you're not gonna elevate through any of the other levels you're not gonna revolt you're not going to yeah. be like, hey, is this what we like? And then when you have so many people backing your cause, like he was a religious le- leader. So people yeah. are just going to believe anything he says, he's, especially when he's using God as an excuse and yeah. saying he's the Messiah. Right. But uh, commiserating. Oh, that's in one of my favorite uh, songs uh, from um, 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 Blink-182. Tell commiserating. Me commiserating? Commiserating, yes. About the situation, not tolerate it. Shear says Jones... Maybe we should play a little clip of commiserating right here for you. We should, because I don't have no... I'm like, <laughs> I know who Blink-182 is. They have that one song. Yeah, that one song about the flowers by the staircase. What? I'll play you that one too later. I know <laughs> all the small things. All the small things. Yeah, that's the true one. True things. I'll take one. You're my best trip. Say it ain't so. I will not go. go. Turn the lights off. Carry me home. I had to do it. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. I was waiting for him. Like, get to the part. I know. Yes. <laughs> all right. Go ahead. Okay. Not tolerated. Shear says Jones enforced the rule that when his voice was played over the. Sorry. It's the planes. Yeah. I'm... <laughs> Y'all, we have a surprise These for you. Just keep, yeah. Make sure you subscribe to the channel. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Shear says Jones enforced the rule that when his voice was played over the PA system, rigged throughout the commune, no one was allowed to talk. So there was. I think the fact that we sang Blink 182 for you um, deserves a like and subscribe right now. So yes. if you're enjoying this content, please like and subscribe. Please like and subscribe and just like check out check us out on social media. Pistol, pistol, crystal. <laughs> They used to call me that when I was younger. Crystal Pistol. I like to unpack your childhood one day. Uh, she keeps saying hey, things. It's on the list, bro. It's coming down. It's coming down the pipeline. Um, Crystal all right, so Post- no one was allowed to talk? Yeah, no one was allowed to talk. Uh, so there was an opportunity for people to plot and plan about how to get out of Jonestown, she says. 
He also tells them he's going to have plants within Jonestown, people who will come to you and complain. If this happens, you must denounce them. Otherwise, you will get in trouble. So you can't trust anybody. There's no solidarity. Mm-hmm. That's Trump. You use yeah. that fear. You tell everybody you can't trust anybody, that everybody has a secret plan. And anything that's not exactly what comes out of his mouth mm-hmm. is fake news. It's fake. Oh, I hate it hearing fake. I hate that that became like a meme for a little bit. I know. People are still talking about it, actually. I think it's going to be stuck around forever. I know. The kids say now. That's fake news. Yeah. I mean, there is some fake news out there, but. Oh, there's a good bit. <laughs> but the prevalence of it is not what they're trying to say. It's not even fake. It's just packaged, packaged, fluffed up. Things okay, so this part of this article is called A Congressman's Visit Threatened to Expose Jonestown's Lies. <laughs> Why would he invite a congressman? <laughs> is he looking for more money? Yeah, probably. Oh, okay. I don't know. This article I skimmed. <laughs> okay. Things came to a fatal head following the visit um to Jonestown by US Rep Leo Ryan of California, who traveled to Guyana along with a media crew and a handful of cultist relatives to investigate abuse allegations. Ryan was spurred to visit Jonestown after hearing a word from a friend and former People's Temple member who couldn't reach family members at the commune as well as an affidavit from... Oh. Okay, so they're looking for they're missing looking people. For, yeah. Okay. From Deborah Layton Blakely, a Jones aide who sought refuge at the American Embassy who recounted the goings-on at Jonestown. Mm. Oof. That was a mouthful. <laughs> it was a mouthful. Uh, Congressman Ryan Lee, I'm sorry, Congressman Leo Ryan <laughs> gets there and they do this song and dance, Shear says. Jones has been rehearsing people for weeks on what to say to Ryan and the media. Even though they've been starving, he would have his inner circle, his lieutenants go around and rehearse people. What do you eat in Jonestown? Well, we eat lamb and steak and chicken. Every day they were rehearsing what to say, and Ryan is fooled by this. He actually believes that the people are happy there. Why did they tip him off that they were coming? I guess. Well, I guess they don't really know what's crazy going on, so they probably just pick up the phone and call, and they're like, like hey, hey we're is so and so there? Because, like, we don't want to come all the way over there and investigate if this is no big deal, and they've just cut off their family or whatever. So. Right. Or they were just like, it probably is one of those things, too, where they just had to get an invite or just let them know. Yeah, exactly. Because they technically, it's in Guyana, it's not U.S. jurisdiction, yeah. they just can't. Mm-hmm. But as the group was preparing to leave the commune, Cheers adds, Someone flipped Ryan. Someone slipped Ryan's aid a note asking for help, and all hell breaks loose. Wow. Mm-hmm. She says they weren't supposed to have any contact with Ryan, his entourage, or the media. So when Jones hears about this note, he tells Ryan's group to get out. He realizes the house of cards is starting to crumble. Yeah, I'm sure. That's all it which, takes is a little bit of information. Which is one thing too is like. I like how his answer to this is what happened. Of course. Instead I mean, of he's just, not going to lose. That's the power and control. I right. will have the ultimate power and control and say so. And you people will not defy me. That feels like Nero when he killed himself and he was just like... That's his ultimate control. Yeah. And people will say, well, narcissists wouldn't commit suicide because people only commit suicide for depression. Well, that's a major reason that people commit suicide. But it is an option for someone who wants to ultimately maintain the power and control. I'll kill myself before you'll win and take my life. Right. Or like, hold me, hold me accountable for anything I do. Or- yeah, exactly. And-, and, and they don't want to face, you know, 
judgment. Right. right. They don't want to, they won't want to be seen in a different light. That's why when people joke that Epstein didn't kill himself, like, I mean, it's possible, I suppose. But I think it's also very plausible that he did kill himself because I think that's it, the ultimate way for him to get out of having to deal or face anything. I feel like he would have did it before he ended up in prison, though. Uh, I don't know, because because narcissists are so grandiose. They think they can get away with everything. Mm-hmm. And then when What's-Her-Name came out and they got a hold of her, his right-hand girl. Yeah. Uh, but that was name? recently. That came out. She just came out. They just got her recently. No, but they knew about her mm-hmm. before. And I think she had said some things before he killed himself. Oh. But I, he probably just, you know, the veil came crashing down finally and his grandiosity could hold on no longer. And just got pushed into a corner. Yeah, exactly. In danger, Ryan's group, along with 14 defectors, returned to the airstrip to leave, but no planes were waiting for them. Finally, two airplanes show up, and as they were starting to board the airplanes, this tractor pulls, this tractor pulling a trailer comes up, and all these men pop out and start shooting at the people who were about to board the airplane, killing one of the defectors, three media people, and Leo Ryan. Wow. Oh, my God. I didn't know that. What a psycho. Right. Definitely a narcissist. Leo Ryan, he was a, was he a California senator? I don't know. Congressman? Representative Leo Ryan. He was a rep, a U.S. representative. Wow. I think it said something about pictured with women in Houston or something. Maybe it's Texas. Congressman Leo Ryan visiting Jonestown on November 18, 1978. He's pictured with women of the Houston family. Oh, the family. Houston family. Okay. Wow. So he's a congressman. And he's literally assassinated trying to leave Guyana. Oh, my God. Wow. That's a trip. Okay. And (laughs) these thugs then go back to Jonestown. And Jones is told about this incident. He tells the people it's over. It's all over. They're coming for us. This is it. It's time to transition to the other side. Oh, my God. Jim Jones used armed guards and threats to force suicides. What? Yes. Wow. You remember how, whenever you hear about the story, you were like, why would these people drink the Kool-Aid if they knew it was going Because well, they have a gun to their head. Right. Jesus Christ. It's, That's horrific. Yeah. Horrifying. Shira says she felt a deep connection to Tommy Bogue, a survivor she interviewed for her book, who was a teenager at the time and was shot when he, along with his parents and sister, defected with Ryan. A sister who decided to stay behind died in Jonestown, now known as Tom Bogue, he is currently mayor of Dixon, California, about an hour north of San Francisco. Oh, good for him. That is so tragic, but I'm yeah. happy he turned it around. Well, you know what? I'm excited, though, because now that he's been through this, he recognizes course of right. control. He knows what it is, and that's a great thing to have in somebody who's a political leader. Right. Well, I think more political leaders need to be... Psychologically educated? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> he was... Representative, uh, representative of the children who were in Jonestown, she says, it wasn't his decision to join the church. He tried to run away a year before the mass murder with his best friend. They stole some food from the kitchen and had a half-baked plan to go to Venezuela. They were just kids, 16 years old, and they were terrified and didn't want to die. They got into the jungle and then night fell and they couldn't even see five inches in front of their noses. So they had to return to the main road. And it was on the main road that they were caught by Jim Jones's guards and brought back to Jonestown where they were severely, severely punished. I know why he chose Guyana now. Right. Because. The laws. The political atmosphere. As long as he's got enough money, he can pay off the politicians Mm -hmm. to let him do what he wants. He can hire goons. He can pay for guards. And 
the atmosphere is already often very volatile. Right. And so... There's a lot of civil war going on in yeah, lots of parts of... it makes a lot of yeah. sense now. It's probably cheap. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I'm saying. He can take a little bit of money, but be, you know, millionaire over there. Right. Shears says there was simply no way out that last night when Jones commanded his followers to drink cyanide-laced punch. People think they willingly died, she says, but Jones gave them no choice. They were surrounded by a row of guards with crossbows, and then behind them there was another line of guards pointing guns. Meanwhile, Jones is ex exhorting them to come up and drink this poison to take them to the other side. So living was never an alternative on that last night. Most people chose to die with their families, and if they didn't drink it, there were many who were injected with the poison. Wow. Prior to November 18th, there had been attempts to leave, to leave, Shear says. Reading through the FBI files, there were many accounts of people running into the jungle, but Jones had them so afraid, she says. He told them that the jungle were full of mercenaries who wanted to kill them if they left Jonestown, that it was full of tigers and snakes that would eat them alive, and with any dissidents, he would shoot them full of Thorazine? Thorazine. Thorazine. Hey, it's Crystal, what is that? It is a very strong psychiatric drug that would knock you out, probably. Which made them into zombies, and we would imprison people with drugs. Wow. He sounds so nice now, don't he? Yeah, well, at first you think, oh, he just coercively controlled people, and, it, and they were just willing to drink the Kool-Aid, mm -hmm. but... Um, I'm so glad to know that he really was just way more horrific and I, mean, I guess not glad, but, but just it, it definitely it, changes how you view the story. Yeah, you, you can know? piece it together in your mind better. Like a lot of these people died that night and their legacies left with, why do they drink Kool-Aid? Right, yeah. yeah. And they were actually forced to do it. Probably another reason he chose Guyana, because then you can scare people into staying where they're at. Right, because the outside's more dangerous. It's scary, than yeah. And there's no guards there to protect you. We have guards here. Mm -hmm. Jim Jones targeted babies and children first. In fact, according to Shears, Jones held a number of mass suicide rehearsals to see how the crowd would respond and who would cause him trouble. This and is th making me sick to my stomach. I'm sorry. <laughs> this is okay. a tough one. It's this hard to read this with a smile. Yeah. <laughs> it's really fucked up. And it, it just keeps getting worse and worse where you... Could see how he could potentially have done good in the world. Yeah. Even as a narcissist, he still could have. He was a civil rights. He was a civil rights leader. He, yeah. he was a part of that movement. But it's important to talk about it, though. It yeah. really is, so that it doesn't happen. You know. Um, we have a lot of people going through it right now. We have a lot of people who are backing a cause. And QAnon, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ugh. Okay. Who are getting put into these situations? So, in fact, shares. According to Shears, there were suicide rehearsals and he would cause him or see who would cause him trouble. And then he made those people in line up first, she says. He figured out that if they killed the children first, then the parents wouldn't have any reason to live. So he starts with the babies and then. <laughs> what a sick piece of shit. Yes. I have to say it. You can say it. It's right. I, it's a lot. It's a lot to mm. unpackage. I think we might put like a little bit of a trigger warning on this. <laughs> yeah, this is very I should have gave you a trigger warning. <laughs> I'm triggered. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's all right. They couldn't believe this man who, okay, so he starts with the babies and the people want to believe that this is just another rehearsal. For a lot of them, it was just surreal. They couldn't believe the man who professed to have their best interest in mind 
would actually kill them. It wasn't until they saw the babies frothing at the mouth and writhing that they realized what was going on. And so he killed some of the babies during rehearsal? I well, think, of course he did. He has to scare people into knowing he ain't fucking around. That, and I think they thought it was a rehearsal day. Right. The day he did it was right. the actual day. So Oh, it was? So, yeah. Oh, they thought it was another rehearsal day. Got it. Okay. They started with the babies. Odo Rose, then the only known survivor, told the Washington Post, in the days after the massacre, he told a newspaper, some drank the poison potion willingly while it was forced upon others. It just got all out of order, he told the Post, adding that it took about five minutes for the cyanide to prove fatal. Babies were screaming, children were screaming, and the mass was and the ma- there was a mass confusion. Oh, my God. Because all the symptoms are going on. And five minutes is a very long time. To be in that kind of pain. Yeah, and if you've ever experienced someone going through the death process, um, it's, yeah, that that waiting for, it can seem like an eternity. Especially five minutes. if you're, like, waiting for them to stop breathing. Yeah. And just seeing that hole. really horrific. It's hard to watch. And then having to go through that yourself right afterwards. This man is a monster. So the whole drinking the Kool-Aid saying is so obvious and so completely wrong. Okay. All the while, Rose said Jim's, I'm sorry, Rose said Jones was telling them they would meet in another place and chanted mother, 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 in apparent reference to his wife who lay dead not far from the altar. According to the Post, Joan died of a gunshot wound to the head. Wow. Didn't even drink the Kool-Aid. He didn't put himself through the five Did minutes. he kill himself or did he have someone else shoot him? I'm not sure. Let's find that out. Yeah, we need to figure that out. Shear says a tape recording from the last night, they so-called death, they, the so-called death tape had been edited dozens of times. Oof, that was hard to read. It is my belief that Jones was pausing and stopping the tape anytime there was any disruption, an interruption or anytime... Anyone was protesting what was happening. She says. He recorded it? Yeah. There's videos. What a sick piece of shit. Yeah. Jesus Christ. All right. I'm going to stop reading these ones where they start off good. And then it just. (laughs) It just. It shocks me every time. And I've been doing this for years. Everybody. I mean, it shocks me, but then it doesn't shock me. And so then when I tell people about it, I'm like, you think that this small level of narcissism won't escalate to this, but it will. It has happened over and over and over. And still happening. It still happens. If you are in a domestic abuse relationship with someone and you think, oh, he or she will never go to that level. Yes, they will and can not always will. But all they need is the right resources, the right time and the right level of aggression for everything to line up perfectly. And then familicide happens. Yeah. And it's unexpected and it's out of nowhere. And that's why you cannot ignore these red flags from Mm -mm. these types of people. No, you have to take them seriously and you have to be prepared. And I feel like I don't feel like it's their fault. No, it's not. No. And that's part of what I was talking about with some of the victimization of people like that fall into these cult beliefs. Like it's a slow process. Their belief process was like, we're good Christian folk. Yeah. And we're going to go out and we're going to we're more accepting yes. than other Christians. We understand culture and society more. We want to be mm-hmm. better people. These are people who wanted to be good people. And that's what puts them at risk for being manipulated because they're so empathetic. And it, ugh. they're so called death tape. Do, 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 do. He wanted the world to think 
this was some uniform decision that he willingly that they willingly killed themselves for socialism to protest the inhumanity of capitalism. He gave various reasons for the mass death. Wow. It's heartbreaking. You can hear. He's like excusing himself so people will see it after he's dead. Right. And still make him out to be a god. Right. It's heartbreaking. You can hear him instructing parents, don't tell your children they're dying. It's scaring them. You can hear the children at the beginning of the tape murmuring, making kid noises in the background. And then you hear kids screaming. You can hear hear them saying, no, it's a horrific scene, which is why the whole drinking the Kool-Aid thing is so odious and so completely wrong. A third of the people who died that night were minors under 18. It's an extremely offensive saying. Wow. Ultimately, control, according to Shears, was the most important to Jones. He yeah, tried to that's control- what I said. Power and control. Yes. Yep. He tried to control people's bodies, she says. He couldn't stand it when people left the church. He would go into rage. But the ultimate control and the ultimate loyalty test for him was, if I order you, would you lay down your life for, the, for this cause? For me. For me. Yes. That's the for me. So yes. That's it's not really for the cause. That's bullshit. <laughs> no, there's no cause. I'm about to like. You uh, tell, what did I tell you? You tell one truth or two truths and one lie. Right. One truth and two lies. As long as you have a little bit of what looks like truth in there, then people are going to go for it. And then it's just, it's so fucked up. Are you pulling up how he died? Yes. Okay. I'm so the sorry. following mass murder suicide, Jones was found dead on the floor. He was resting on a pillow near his deck chair with a gunshot wound to his head. Which Guyanese Colonel uh, Cyril Matu said was consistent with consistent suicide. Consistent with suicide. Wow. So he didn't even put himself. He didn't even drink his own fucking Kool Aid. Like you, he sat there and watched. He didn't want to go for, through the fucking five yeah, minutes that's of what torturous he, hell. He watched people suffer and then was what just a like, piece of shit. I'm so sorry. I said that so many times. He was a piece of shit. <laughs> like way worse than he's been made out the band be. And I don't know if part of that is people glorifying. I think they just get stuck on the like minor details. Right. You know, it's like, oh, all these people died. How did they die? They drank poisonous Kool-Aid. They're like, why would they do that? that? Nobody forced, nobody knew that they were forced and held into this position where they couldn't do anything else. Like, yeah, you, that was something new. And I hope that this story and the Capitol riot story, um, I hope that you learn from it. I hope that you take it seriously. I hope that it never allows an escalation of a narcissist to the level of president to the point where close to half of the entire country are under the level of coercion. I mean, that is fucking scary. Think about it. Think about of it. our country. And think about that. Not only is he the president, but he's the commander in chief. He is in nuclear char- codes in charge of the military. The button. And I'm not saying that something like that could happen where he can. Well, he's not president no more, y'all. Right. I, I had a co-worker tell me that um, that was their major concern in the last seven days was the nuclear codes. People, oh, Nancy Pelosi is just ridiculous. If no. you don't accept that he has this di- this this power diagnosis, <laughs> which many psychologists have uh, reviewed all of his behaviors and come out and said, yes, if he were in my office, I would give him this diagnosis right now. Um, but if you can't even begin to accept that, then there's no way that you're going to realize that him pushing that button is an option. It, but it, it totally was. Always. We have been in severe risk. And there are certain things that uh, Trump has done that I think were good decisions. This is not a, this is an apolitical issue for me. Yeah, it's this not, has nothing it has to do with, to do with right politics left. or anything because no. 
at the end of the day, the country ran like it normally would under any president. There was a little opposition here and there. Certain rights were restricted. Certain rights right. were going to come back. Politics is such a it's such a weird game. It's such a weird push and pull. Mm -hmm. But just having someone so volatile yeah. in control or in that high position yeah. where they have the codes, where they have command over the military, where they can do things like ban people. Yeah, yeah exactly. Very scary. Very scary. So I hope you take this information, you analyze it, and you don't end up in our show because you didn't. <laughs> you didn't, yeah. Please don't start so you, any religions. Yes, <laughs> please don't start any religions. We're so good. if you enjoyed our story on Jim Jones and that analyzation of what went on with him, we hope that you would like and subscribe to the channel. Down below, we will drop some links for our social media. You can find us on Facebook at Mental Myths and Mysteries. You can find us on Instagram at Mental Mysteries and on Twitter at Mental Myths and One. And One, because we are going to be the number one mental health podcast available and with that we will take it to our outro you guys have a great day we are excited to see you next time bye, bye.